welcome back to the Times and Places podcast with me, Caitlin Bryant. Each week, I sit down with a different guest to discuss how particular times and places has meant something of significance to them or has impacted their life in some way. Today's episode is with the Welsh rugby legend that is Jonathan Davis, or as he is more commonly known as Jiffy. With the career in the public eye spanning over four decades, most people will be familiar with Jonathan from either watching him on the rugby pitch or up in the stands as one of the nation's favourite TV pundits. Although, as one of his daughter's close friends, to me, Jonathan is just Gina's dad. In our conversation, we talk about the death of his dad, Len, who passed away when he was only 14, and his late wife, Karen, who also died from cancer 25 years ago leaving Jonathan to raise his three children without their mum. We also chat about his career both on and off the pitch in rugby league and union, as well as his personal life and the ups and downs that he's experienced along the way. To speak to your friend's dad about their life in such detail is not something you would usually do. However, throughout our conversation, it was fascinating to learn so much about someone you've known your whole life, but through a completely different lens. So here it is. Episode 5 of the Times and Places podcast with Jonathan Davis. Hello. Okay, Gerard. Ah, oh, there we go. Right then, Jonathan, I'm going to take it all the way back to the beginning. And as the podcast theme is on times and places, I wanted to talk about Trimsaran, the village in which you grew up. But would you say that Trimsaran has defined you the most as a person? Oh, Definitely. You know, my kids um, go back to see my grandma, and they, they, they can never imagine living there. You know, I, I, I took them up to where I, the street I was born and bred, and, yeah, it's definitely kind of, it's in my DNA, and it's kind of who, who what made me today, I suppose, um, because I, do, I always remember fondly my days growing up there, um, you know, a lot of characters that I came across, you know, I know I knew mostly everyone in the village, and yeah, and I and I think the support that I had as a as a youngster, you know, when things weren't going great, and the support that I've had, you know, ever you know since I I, I played rugby, has has been, you know, has been brilliant. And I think that yeah, from my upbringing in the council estate, the people I've met, um, yeah, certainly moulded me into the character that I am today. Mm. And speaking of Trimsaran, Trimsaran as well, RFC was your first ever rugby club. And it was the same club with your, which your dad, Len, played and captain for as well. Is that right? Yeah, he yeah. Played, yeah he's, on the, he's on the captain's Yeah, before. Was yeah. it his kind of like love and passion for the game that got you really inspired and interested to get into rugby? Or was there something else? I think my dad, you know, my dad played darts, you know, he played rugby. Um, he's just general sportsman, you know. So when you when you come from those villages, sometimes the rugby club is the centre of the community. So I spent a lot of time there as a as a young kid, you know, growing up, you know, with watching the uh, with school first of all, with a lot of my mates from school. The schoolmaster was the uh, played rugby for Trimsaran, coached Trimsaran. Then my dad was there, and so ever some say the age of four or five. I always hung around the rugby club and run the rugby field. Um, so then, you know, you get a you get a taste for it because that's where you spend a lot of your time. And then you go training with the rugby boys and your friends and everything after work. So I just I just felt that yeah, I wanted and especially when there was supportive of me, my mum and my sister when my dad was ill. I kind of grew I had a bond with them. I wanted to be, you know, to them to, to play well for them and to make an impression on them. And um, I just think, yeah, it, it was just, it's one of those things that it, I think a lot of the the, local, the little villages around Wales that, you know, you, you, you do get very close to that environment because that's where, you know, all, all your parents are, are there, your friends are there, your friends, your parents are there. So it's, it's like, um, it's like a community, you know, the community within the community. Yeah. Um, and I know that you sort of said there that they were really there to support like you and your mum and your sister yeah, when yeah. your dad first got diagnosed. And you were only 12. Were you only 12? Yeah, you, yeah. Yeah. 
because also am I right in thinking he was the first ever Welshman to receive a liver transplant? Yeah, I think I think that is the case. That's, that's crazy. Yeah, because no one really knew what it was then. Yeah. No one knew what cancer was. And he was fortunate that you know he could go to Ardenbrook. Very fortunate, but the unfortunate thing that it's like you know hundreds of miles away. So mm. yeah, you know my mum and dad spent a lot of time away from us. So you know the support of the village was vitally important uh, to help. You know because we sit with my grandmother, so it would have been doubly difficult. You know to 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 not know anyone and it'd been in a big city. You know and on your own. So people are kind of accepted that what what you were going through and i think that's what life's all about is you know when you're when you're not going through a bit of a tough time there's you can rely on other people and then you know when they're going through a tough time they can rely on you so that's that's you know that came from that village community so yeah you know when we, they supported us you know throughout a long you know long period of time but you know i appreciated the people around me and i didn't want to let them down and that's and that's what you got to just get up and get up and do it yeah and I guess like a lot of that too probably comes from like the love that you did have and was around you too yeah yeah we didn't have much you know and when you're hiding from the rent man sometimes because you couldn't pay the rent <laughs> you know my mum working you know in the kitchen school kitchen and yeah to scrape every penny that we have yeah yeah Kind of on the topic of kind of Trimsaran and community though I haven't spoken to you since I spoke to Yogi Jonathan you know when you oh, tried yeah. to, you know you were saying about the kids ring me up trying to help you get your tickets. Well, same as me. I used you to get some tickets too, but honestly, he's just such a lovely guy. Um, I so I guess for context for the listeners, I'm not talking about the bear. Um, but I like asked G if I was like, oh, I don't suppose I could get some tickets for one of the autumn internationals, and then you gave me a number for Yogi. But honestly, it was ten o'clock at night, right on like a Tuesday. And he, I like ring him up and he was just like the love, most lovable, lovely guy. And we're on the phone for like half an hour just chatting about like Welsh rugby and whatnot. And then all of a sudden he like rings me back. I think we had like two or three phone calls. And then he finally rings me back and he's like, look, I've sorted it for you. And he'd not only got me one, but he like sorted me out with six tickets. But like that, yeah. I think just goes to show like, even though time has passed. And I think that's a massive thing is people say, you know like oh things change or whatever and I know he's obviously a little bit older but time's passed but it really goes to show like the people in those communities they're always willing to kind of like help out no matter who you are yeah yeah and I, I think that's right because I played you know when I was 18 you know I Yogi was my scrum half and I was the outside half and he was older than me and um you know he saw me coming through the ranks um we played a lot of you know big games with Trimsaran together, and you know we had, had really enjoyable times. Um, and he was a good player, so he was scrum half. And then you know he went, you know, he secondary the club. Now his sons play in Yogi Bach, which means Yogi Small in, yeah, in, yeah, in yeah. Wales. But he's 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 older record. He's played about I don't know if it's six hundred or seven hundred games with the club or something. He's still no playing. Way. Yeah, he's an amazing guy. So, but, but I know Laura, his wife, and I, you know, I, and I'll try and help the club. But I'm due to go and do a Q&A evening in the rugby club that has just opened. Just like Q&A in Trimsaran, open it up, 20, 15 or 20 quid a ticket, sausage, beans and chips, and then just I'll have a couple of pints and then talk about people and the experiences I had in Trimsaran and going up. It's really nice though, isn't it? Because it's that thing of I feel like, especially now with the way the professional game's going, of like it is it's professional and it is a lot more sort of serious, but... It is also nice still having that more sort of like community rugby feel as well. Yeah, it, it is because we all came from that. I think a lot of these boys did come from it, but I think a lot of the players coming through now, they, they, they don't, I don't think they play enough games. They don't play enough games in, you know, the, the, the village scene mm. um, because you know, I learned so much when I was 17, 18, playing for Jimsara first, going to places like Newbridge Athletic. Baglan, Milford Haven, Cardigan, you know, all these places were like just such a learning curve for me, to, which kind of really helped me through my journey then, you know, through international rugby and rugby league. Because I'd experienced a lot of situations, but things just speeded up as you get tied up the ladder. But, you know, all those like the cheap shots and, you know, late tackles and, 
and verbal abuse and everything. You just like you say, when you're going through that at 18, all of a sudden everything else seems okay, you know. Yeah, because it does. Because like you got your first cap when you were 23, and like that, mm. I mean, it's still that's young. But in this day and age, like a lot of the boys, they're in like academies before they're even 18, and they're in like the sort yeah. of regional systems, and they do, I yeah, guess, yeah. miss out on that quite a bit. They miss out on that. They miss about. They miss out on going to villages, going to see you know characters. Even you know, I love playing for my club. So I love playing for Neath, and I love playing for uh, Scarlet, Fleffy, because those are all my mates, and I wanted to go back there and perform for them. But as no, I don't seem. I don't think they have the same enjoyment. And also, when you realise that you know, we we go and play Pontevedra in the cup for Fleffy, or play against Pontypool United, or playing against Whitland, we go down there fully stacked. All internationals, all the village would be out, and then we'd stay then for the whole night, like in, in the rugby club, and drink till you know it stopped. So and that, those are people. People still remember those days. You know? Yeah, well, that's what Dad's like. When Dad always kind of does is reminiscing of when he was playing, like playing at Bridgend. He's like, Kate, you yeah. don't understand. Like that, people, it would be packed, and like I, you couldn't imagine that now, like going to a Bridgend game and like no. it being. Well, Bridgend was a massive club. Yeah. You know, Bridgend was a really strong club, and. Uh, you know, we had some great backers, but pretend, you know, we'd go to, you know, play local little clubs and they'd, they'd take all the internationals. And it's a big thing for those for those little villages. They'd make a fortune that day. But then, you know, I, I, I still, you know, I go, I go to places and I'm, next thing, I mean, just in the toilet and the bloke goes to me, what oh, played against you? I like, know, oh, <laughs> when? I'm going to play for Sharafa against Ponte Pool United. You know, which, which is, I remember those games. remember all of them. I love it. Which is brilliant, you know, because I, I, because coming from that background, I realised how important those experiences were for those players and those and the villages. Yeah, I know you said that getting your first cap for Wales was one of the highlights of your careers, but I also yeah. read somewhere that you said that when your dad was ill, the one thing that he really wanted to witness was to see you play at the Cardiff Arms Park. And obviously yeah. he never got that opportunity because he passed before then. But did that make, you know, that day when it came round, like, was it was it really like overly emotional and kind of a double-edged sword of being like sort of the greatest day and also quite a sad day as well? Yeah, it was. It was very emotional, you know, because my mum, my stepdad, Ken was, you know, with my mum then. And Ken was, you know, was an unbelievable stepdad. Mm. Um, you know, I loved him to bits. And, uh, you know, he was, he was my dad longer than my own dad, you know, and he was there and he, and he was sat quite in the background and, uh, you know, he, I, I hope he had as much pleasure um, as, you know, as we did. I think he did because, you know, he loved going to Nice, he loved going to Scarlet, he loved, you know, watching me play for Wales. So it was, um, but it was an emotional day because, you know, I, I did feel a lump in my throat now when I was singing the anthem, you know, yeah. um, you know, because I wanted my dad to be there and I think, it's it's tough, like I think when when the, when you lose your dad, because from the age of fourteen, maybe through till your mid twenties, that's when you make your big decision in life, with work, with family, you know, with sport, and you know, I didn't have my dad there, to, you know, for me to, to make those decisions with him. Mm. I know Ken would, would Ken would try and help, but he'd go, oh, it's up to you, it's up to you, you know, he wasn't really my dad. Yeah, but um, you know, but he was. Ken was unbelievable, and but it was difficult because you had to make those decisions on your own, and they were tough decisions. And you don't, you didn't want to worry my mum as well. So it was, um, it was, yeah, it was very, very emotional. And I, you know, I, I think I miss my dad every day because, you know, he didn't, he didn't witness really anything that I did. You know, not only on the rugby field, the work that I've done. You know, um, my kids. You know, Jay now with my wife. You know, it just. You know, just seeing all those kind of things that, that make me happy, I suppose, you know, and um, it is, you know, I'd love to have shared that with uh, with my dad. Yeah. Is it an indescribable feeling that when you run out for your first cap, because it was also, you had the beauty as well, it was a home game as well. Yeah. yeah. Is it like, does nothing ever compares to it, I guess, after that experience for the first time? I was experiencing anything for the first time is you know you you remember that you know, like you like like I tell my kids you only have one chance to make a first impression, so um, it's yeah you know coming from 
where I was from. Didn't have any international honours as a kid. So I didn't play for schools or youth or rugby like that. I think your dad, your dad was a Welsh youth cap, didn't he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There we yeah. are. So, you know, you know, you, you can you see all these. So they'd experienced playing for Wales before. But as for me, I'd never experienced it. I'd like, because I, I hadn't been picked at all throughout the age groups. So to come to Neath then and play for Neath and all of a sudden you get recognised and they try and push you forward. It, it happens so quickly and you do, you have to have a, a belief thinking, you know, is, am I good enough for this? And you've got to believe that, yeah, I am good enough for this, but then not be cocky or overconfident so there's the balance. And then also there's a fear of failure. So you have to control that fear of failure, you know, when you go up because the whole country's watching, the whole nation's watching you. You know, I mean, the whole world, a lot of the, most of the world rugby supporters are watching you thinking, right, that's a chance to perform. And then when, but when you go out, it's just, uh, yeah, it is an unbelievable feeling. It's the nerves, you know, the adrenaline and the sense of achievement, but then a sense of like, oh, I can't make a mistake. So it's just such a cocktail of emotions. And then when you run out, the noise is unbelievable. You've never, ever experienced anything like it, you know, when you run out for the first time. It's just an unbelievable feeling. That's why I feel so bad with a lot of like the boys in the past like couple of years who've been getting their first caps in like empty stadiums. It's not nice. Sport is sport is all about playing it because one thing with sport is the reason you do it is because you enjoy it and the buzz you get from performing in front of people. And as you get better, the clothes get bigger. And all of a sudden, if you read that stage in the international, it's just an unbelievable feeling. The whole build up is is, is great. But, yeah, these boys have been very unfortunate. But, again, it's the incentive then to say, right, I want to play in front of the club. So that's the incentive to keep them going. Like, I know. Mm, definitely. And like you said there, sometimes things don't work out as you may have anticipated, but you have to use it as sort of an incentive to achieve your goals. But what I'd love to know is, have you had any setbacks or moments when things haven't gone your way, but in hindsight you've learned from it or a better opportunity has come your way? You know, you learn from you learn from every game. I mm. think you learn something from every game, whether you know you win or you lose. There's things you can do. But I always kind of try to perform at the club level. Things that I would then try and replicate at international level, which the whole world could see. Mm. But I, I think having had big setbacks as a as a child um, and losing your dad, I yeah. think you kind of. It's all relative. Yeah, it puts things in perspective a bit more. Puts everything in perspective. Yeah. And that's what I see now. You know, I see sports, young sportsmen having life-changing injuries or people just dying when they, you know, from accidents or ill health. You think it just puts life into perspective mm. in general. And I and I always thought that yes, it was it was important that I performed well and played well, but there's no there's no kind of special ingredient. It's just yeah. hard work. You you are you know, people say, Oh, you know, I go and speak in a dinner and you have a fee for it and the kids go, Oh my god, you got a big fee for that and like, you know, that's my monthly monthly wage. <laughs> yeah, but what, what that's done is that that's not for being there that even that's for maybe the last forty years of being in a a local park you know, when it's pissing and with rain and you're like doing sprints or like tackle drills or and then you try and replicate that by doing it on the field. And then you know, I've been very lucky. I scored some lovely tries on television, which people remember. And that's, you know, though it's, it's, for, the, it's for the hard work that goes unnoticed. Yeah. That's, that, you know, that's, that's why, you, why, why you get the recognition, at, you know, uh, at the end. Yeah, like nothing, nothing comes easy in life, even if you think no, that other it. people have no. it easy. And, and that's what you know, a lot. Of, yeah, I think that's what you know. Reality stars and all these kids, like on Instagram, thinking, "Oh my God, yeah, it's going to happen overnight." Yeah, mm. not it doesn't happen for many. Yeah, but and not unfortunately, but I think there are instances, especially more so in this day and age, of people do become overnight successes because of social media, yeah, etc. Yeah. But they are the minority, and I think it's yeah. not healthy for people to have that mindset of no. "I just got to wait for it to fall on my lap" no. because ne that probably won't ever happen, and you're just never going to achieve anything unless you go out there, figure it out, and work hard for it. Yeah, and then you know, oh, it's, 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 oh. If's the biggest word in the English dictionary, isn't it? Mm. Because uh, 
I go back to him Sarah and there's a one or two who go, oh, yeah, or, you know, if I'd have trained, if I'd have, you know, put my mind to it. Yeah, but he didn't. Yeah, no, so, Gary Thomas said the exact same fucking, thing. Don't fucking bother like, me with yeah, that. Yeah, don't yeah. bother me with that. You know, you know he said I mean? the exact same thing. Can't be, yeah. Yeah, can't be asked to those people. And, and those are the, like, luckily I deal with, um, with I work for a company, a training company, ACT, and, you know, trying to encourage kids um, you know, to, to make right decisions in life. And, um, you know, a lot of them, you've got to have a, you know, you've got to have a work ethic. You know, you've got to have a bit of pride about you and you've got to have a bit of discipline. Mm. And because if you don't get those things right, then all of a sudden you're always going to make excuse for yourselves. And I think that that's what it is, really. Definitely. And obviously the biggest element, like we said with most things, is hard work. But there's often sometimes little elements of luck that kind of things oh, just sort of definitely. fall into place. But has yeah. there been a time where it seems like a bit like fate and just sort of the stars aligned and things, everything, everything sort of slotted into place at the right time? I, I suppose, yeah, Neith, you know, I was playing for Neith and they weren't going through a good time. I was, and that's how I had my lucky break. You know, they said, oh, yeah, you know, we're not going well. There's a young kid playing well in Samsara, gave an opportunity. The opportunity came and all of a sudden, Neith then, when I went to Neath, people like Brian Thomas came and Ron Walden came, Glenn Ball came, and the, and they were very clever men. And while I was there, they said, right, we're going to change them and make Neath good again. So I was a part, I was a start of that journey by them. So, that, you know, I was lucky to meet those people. And I have been lucky to meet really good people in life. Like, um, I met a guy called uh, Neil O'Halloran. Who was the chairman of Barry Town? He's a professional footballer. I went to work for him, and he realised what you know. I I had I needed to take time off work, so he allowed me to have training sessions. And I trained lunchtime in indoor uh, uh, tracks and things like that. And then when he said, "Look, when I want you come and you know, and you work for me," so that I he was very good for my career. Then Brian Thomas was very good. Then I met a guy called Peter Corrigan, who was a journalist for. Uh, the Observer was brilliant, you know, and, and new sport, you know, covered sports. And he was just bluntly honest with me because I needed a second opinion on, on a few things. So I, yeah, then yeah, I just, I've been lucky that I, I've got, a, I'm a good judge of character and I've, and I've met some great, really good people along the way. So I, I feel that those, meeting those people were kind of, were important things for me. Maybe that you know things weren't aligned up to go there because I've done it the hard way going up and not playing for Wales, not being in the academy, not being noticed. And all of a sudden, you turn up, you play for Wales, and all of a sudden you're noticed because you're on an international stage. So, yeah, that's you know, and I'm meeting you know Ray Stubbs and introducing me to Brian Barnes, uh, Brian Barwick in the BBC, and all of a sudden I've got a career in broadcasting. You know, well, you know, just. I've been lucky to have opportunities, which which I've grasped, you know, with both hands. Yeah, and it's you kind. It's a lot of the time as well. I feel like it's when you almost at least expect it, and it's just also it's that thing which you come back to of being a good person, being a nice guy, and then you never know where things may lead to. Yeah, I, I think that's important. I think, you know, as I said before, people judge you, people who don't know you, and I've got a really strong friendship group I've got a strong family and the people that I know I hope you know I, I don't think I've fallen out with a lot of people which you know on the journey I've been on I've, I've come across a lot of people so you know you just got to treat people as, as, as you want to be treated and just be honest with them and be and just generally nice to them and I think that's I think that's that's important and I think yeah you know if you're nice to people Sometimes things happen. Yeah. Um, so kind of back on rugby, but this is more your sort of career-defining moment in a way with the media, which was when you signed um, a record deal. Not Yeah. <laughs> that sounds like a record, like a music record deal then. No, no, Not that no. much of a career change. Um, mind you, I tell you what, 
Um, last summer when us girls came down to stay with you and Jay, you did have a little sing song there. So uh, yeah, me and Jay, maybe me and Jay, me and, me and Jay, me and Jay are good party hosts. Let me tell you, <laughs> yeah, we're, you we're great in the night. We're great in the night. We're not very good the following morning. We like the following morning. <laughs> Honestly, us girls, we talk about that all the time. I, we we need to come down again soon. That was such a yeah. fun weekend. Um, but yeah, not a recording contract, but a record-breaking contract. Um, when you switch from union to league and you relocated your family to witness but did you anticipate that you were going to get that much backlash because going through it all like this past week and like reading some of the articles and the headlines it's kind of shocking but when you signed that deal did you think oh I'm really going to get in the neck here or was it still a little bit shocking to sort of receive as much hate as you got I knew I knew that it would have been a big thing you know I was playing I was playing for Wales I was captain of Wales and to go rugby league was would have been big. I didn't expect it to be that big, to be honest. Um, the reaction that I had, you know, there's always going to be the haters are going to hate anyway, so always going to hate. So, and there was an opportunity for them then to get on the bandwagon and call me a Judas and, and all that kind of thing. Um, I know he'd never make it too soft. He's too, you know, he's not big enough. He's not hard enough. So. Um, you're always going to get that. But what, what I didn't expect and or anticipate was the reaction that I had when I went up north. Really? Yeah. Because the, the the media attention that I had, I remember walking on one game and I had like about 50 photographers just in my face. And they were all facing me, not the, not the game. And then when I went on, everyone expected to see and the anticipation of what's going to happen and you know, would I make it all? Because the bigger story was if I'd fail. Um, but it's just, you know, you just, what you do is you just, you look at it and you just say, right, what have I got to do? What have I got to put in place? And that was things like with the family to make sure that they're sorted, that I could focus on the rugby. Move into right in the heart of where I was living, not living outside. Embracing gen- the, the the people of the Northwest, not saying stupid things in the press, working hard, you know, to get into the team first and foremost, and then hopefully, you you you, you know you do what they paid you to do, and you go and and, and score tries and win games and be part of a of a good side. So, and that's I had needed luck because I, injuries would have. Absolutely, you know, really, really faltered my progression. So, um, you know, I, 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 I think I had a lot of injuries at the start. So it gave me, um, you know, a good run of games. I went to, I went, I went to on tour New Zealand with Great Britain, which gave me a real, like, um, a short-term kind of um, crash course of rugby league at the at the, at the sharp end. Um, and then I, I just kind of absorbed everything like a sponge. I listened and spoke to everyone because I'd come, I'd come from like you know being captain of the nationals team to being a novice in another game. And I just you know just did just work knuckle down, did the hard thing, and hopefully adapt to the game. Which I but I always had self belief that I was that I was tough enough to do it. I was good enough to do it. Um, and I picked the I know I didn't go to a bad side. I went to a real good side, and the first job was to try and get into that team. And once you get into that team, then you kind of think, right, I'm good enough to make it anywhere at the national level. So, yeah, and that was a massive decision. And I think people underestimate how big that decision was and, and how tough it was to go and, um, you know, kind of adapt to a different game and, a, and, a, and, and live in a different part of the country. Yeah, because I was just really struggling to kind of get my head around it in a way because I suppose in this day and age it's very normal for players to sort of move teams I mean okay granted not sports but it it's it's like well yeah it's so logical as well of like yes okay we all love Wales and we all love rugby but someone's wanting to provide for their family and their future it's like you don't get that you don't get sports fans don't don't get that Mm. they support one side and and also I I would jump in from one sport to another sport, from an amateur to a professional. Um, a lot of people are jealous. Um, and, you know, a lot of people up north 
didn't expect me to do that well, but wanted me to do well. Someone didn't want me to do well. But yeah, you know, if 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 I'd have been an accountant or a solicitor or a you know, and someone offered me more money, obviously you'd move somewhere else. Yeah, like, that's what I thought. That's what I was yeah. like, I so, just you know, don't but, understand you know, it. It's no, obvious. So, and, and, you know, I was in nothing in review. And people saw you're having boot money. Well, you're having maybe, you know, a little bit more extra, um, you know, travel expenses and a couple of, it wasn't like, you couldn't like live on your, on your, just a couple of points on a Saturday night, then go to work on Monday as normal. And that was it. So it, I just thought, yeah, you know, an opportunity for me to, you know, I don't know, I should, maybe in hindsight, I, I would have gone to Harlequins and worked in the city or, um, you know, things like that, because I had opportunities to go and play there. But I thought, right, I'm going to, let's see how it goes. Because I was slightly disillusioned with the game in Wales and where it was going, because they, they I don't think they, they, they had the ambition that I had, because I wanted to win something playing for Wales. You know, if you're playing for Wales, you'd want to be there thinking, oh, yeah, Oh yeah, I play for Wales. Oh, that's it. I've, I've achieved my goals. If you play for Wales, you want to win games. That's what sports all about: winning games. So I don't think we had a, a level playing field as New Zealand and and Australia, because they were getting you know paid to to train and everything, and and you know we weren't going to achieve that. So I, I made the call and went. Yeah, and I know because of your decision to switch from union to league, you missed out on the the. Lions tour do you ever kind of regret maybe like is that like a regret of yours or not really do you not try to live with regrets or is there a part of you like yeah. oh, I would have loved to have been on a oh, Lions tour yeah every every time Lions tour comes up I think oh you know I wish I was a lion you know I, I wouldn't lie about that I, I love watching the Lions I think the Lions is an amazing brand and I'd love to be part of that like brotherhood um I, maybe I should have gone to Australia first and then maybe not, or maybe gone to um, Rugby League after. But if I'd have gone to, uh, you know, Lions, and maybe I wouldn't have gone to Rugby League. Um, maybe I'd have gone to play in Australia or, or New Zealand. Um, but I was, you know, and then when I went down to Australia, maybe Australia Rugby League would have offered me a contract because they, they came after me in um, 86 and I played in the seven side tournament down there. But it's you know it, yeah yeah I do regret not being a lion, but you know deep down I know that I wasn't you know it was the fact that I wasn't selected that I went rugby league, and I feel that I would I would have been selected to go on maybe one of the lions uh, you know tours that I missed out on but it, it is what it is I enjoy the lions yeah I regret it but I I might not have done what I've done then yeah. And although, like you said, you didn't go on that tour to us, I think it was the Australia one when you first went yeah, across, yeah. isn't it? But through league, you obviously done a lot of travelling, especially of the Southern yeah. Hemisphere. And I always feel that kind of travelling and experiencing different countries and cultures can have like a real impact on your own life. Has there been like one place that you've travelled to either with rugby or outside of rugby that's kind of had a lasting effect on you because of the experience or the culture from that place? I've been lucky, you know. I, I, you know, I travelled, I went to Fiji. Fiji is a lovely place. Um, Papua New Guinea, not the greatest place, but. Yeah, what, is, what one, was one, it like? Yeah, there? no, it's mad. It's mad over there. <laughs> mad. So, wonderful people, you know, who don't have much. So, you know, you just, you just you know, love going to those places. And I, I always say, wherever I went, I tried to experience, you know, the, all those places. I think if there's, I'd love to go back to New Zealand because I've been there a couple of times. I have, I have never had the opportunity. To explore New Zealand, and I think Jay, my wife, and I are, are looking at doing that in, in a few years' time. Going to New Zealand and Australia, and maybe doing a speaking tour or just five star backpacking. We, we don't know yet. But, uh, <laughs> Slightly um, different to the yeah, backpacking like, like, genius. Yeah, get a, yeah, get a car of an or something <laughs> like that, you know. But yeah, and I want to experience things with Jay. I want to go back to Australia with Jay, and I don't know, just just enjoy it again. I, I think. I did really, really love Sydney. I think Sydney was brilliant. I went there on numerous, and every time I've gone there, I've experienced something different. I think the food's amazing. I think I love this. I love the sport. Um, you know, the the the, the people are um, are great as well. You know, once you get in, once you get used to them, you know. Um, yeah. But I just find I found Sydney in Australia. Then I went to Melbourne. I just loved 
the whole vibe of the place. Um, but then, you know, Hong Kong, you know, I've loved Hong Kong. Hong Kong has been mad. I've been there a few times. Uh, but I did live in Sydney for, for, you know, for six months. I think it, that, that is one of the places that, you know, it, it is a special. I, I still like, and I still love, I still love, Australian away life and, and Sydney because I spent some time there, you know. So I'd love to go back and spend it. But like I said, New Zealand is a beautiful country, but I spent most all winters there. Usually, you know, training and getting smacked about in the rugby field. Um, but yeah, it's those 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 two those two places are, you know, I swear I love I did, I was unfortunate, I, I only played in South Africa once. Um, but I love my time there as well in Durban, but and I love and I Cape Town as well. So very lucky when you go on, when you go with rugby, you know, the countries that you go to and the cities that you go to, even the Six Nations. You know, you go in Dublin, Edinburgh, London's a bit different because it's outside in Twickenham. But Twickenham in that area is special. You know, you go to Paris, you you go to Rome. They're unbelievable places to play, and you've just got to just enjoy the whole experience. Yeah, totally. Um. How did you meet Jay? Got met Jay like met met Jay like twenty years ago. Bumped into each other in some bar. Oh my god! So it was I, ages ago. Uh, I didn't oh, yeah, know that yeah, you'd we, met no, before. No, yeah, well, we, we, but we didn't remember that. And then um, uh, I opened up a showroom in Clenetley. She was sales for Machanis, and I opened a showroom for her. Uh, but she was in a relationship. She just had. Relationship that day, I think, and then I and I and I met my ex. So, and that was it. And then years later, you know, God, fourteen, something like that. Yeah, we bumped into each other again, and things were different, mm. and we just itched up then. So, um, isn't it so, so funny it. how like people come in and out of your life yes, just because are, of like, timing you know, yeah, and things yeah. like that? It's ma- it was really- yes. It's really because Rhea Manning's when I um she and I's old teacher, but when yeah, I was speaking I know to her, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was speaking to her about her husband now, and it was like a very similar thing of like yeah, how it kind of just by chance kept on meeting in strange places and then eventually yeah, sliding doors, isn't it? Is that yeah. what you're saying? Sliding doors. Yeah, I think yeah. it's the same with Jay. You know, I I I hadn't remembered, you know, meeting Jay like Gosh, more than twenty, more than twenty years ago. Then I, I remember then, you know, in Machanis, and then all of a sudden when I met, and then that was it. So, um, you know, timings were right previously, um, but then it, it was, it, it was when, you know, we eventually got together. I suppose. Yeah, I wanted to talk about Karen a little bit, and I know that just after Gina was born in 1995 and she's your third child, Karen, your wife was diagnosed with stomach cancer, which then led you to make the decision to move back to rugby union and also back to Wales to kind of have your friends and family to support you both. Um, Having gone through sort of the pain and struggles of your dad's own cancer diagnosis, how did it affect your approach to kind of Karen's cancer battle? It's different. It's different. No, it's different. It's different. Then it's different because when you're a child, you just worried about your mum and dad or whatever your dad. And I think then, I don't think you had the responsibilities. You didn't realize the responsibilities. But then, years later, you know, when your wife has cancer, you have responsibilities. You worry about that. You know, you worry about my mother and her and Karen's mother. How they're going to react. But also responsibilities with the kids. I think the kids then became the priority. So, and you know, you have to have discipline and focus, um, you know, to 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 survive those experiences, um, and then kind of to try and and move on. You know, you watch things like Afterlife now. You know, it's it's you know it's it's so kind of on the mark with emotions. But then again, sometimes you think, you know, he was wallowing in self-pity. Mm. But that was part of the story, wasn't it? You know, and it was brilliantly written and I, I enjoyed every minute of it. But I didn't feel I had, I had the discipline was work and kids. And I was very fortunate that my mum then moved up to live with me. Um, I just had a light bulb moment one day, sell, you, sell the council house you're living in. I'll 
look at property in Cardiff, then you can help me when I need it and then surround them with, with love and care. So Ken and my mum were there all the time. So um yeah, I, I think, you know, it was it's 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 very different. And emotions are, and emotions are different and overcoming it. Um but it's it's all about then just trying to do the right thing at the right time for you know for the for the children, make sure they're happy. Um they go in the, the right schools, they make sure the right circles it don't you know go down know those routes and they use it it was the death of them um, as an excuse you know they've got to be slightly positive because you know i went through it as a kid then i went through it as a father and a husband so they've got to look at it and say right you know if my, hopefully i'll show if my dad can do it you know and the gun and the grandmother can do it you know they they they've got to be positive and and move on, you know, and just and try and because it was no one's fault. It's just you know, no one knows why, why it happens. Who, who it, who has cancer, who doesn't have cancer. It's just so you've, and it's going to be one in two now in the next five years. Like so, you've just got to just live life as much as you can and have and have no regrets, and just not. It's, it's no one to blame. You know, it, it is what it is, and that's it. And you've just got to make the best of a shit position. Yeah. I think if anyone has, you definitely have like your outlook and how you deal with things. Like it is, it is kind of amazing considering what you have been through to have that outlook. It really is just incredible. And when Karen did end up passing, what was like your biggest fear in having to raise Scott, Gina and Grace without them then? was just trying to I think it's just trying to manage everything I think that's because when you're on your own you're thinking oh god you know they've got to go like it's still the same like you go swimming you know Scott goes rugby girls went to ballet you know they got to go to school I remember Grace telling me one day when um, I took Grace to school first day in school because Karen died on in July and then school started in September first day in school and I'm kind of Walking in with Grace and Grace, good. You're, you're the only dad taking me to, me to school. It's like, mm-hmm. so uh, things like that. It was. It's like little things like that that they would say in the night, and then. But uh, yeah, the worry was, was I able to cope and manage everything? Yeah. And I think luckily my mum and Ken came up, so they helped me a lot because I could work on the weekends with the BBC carve out the career because you know at, at that particular time you know I had three young kids moved moved home finished my rugby and all of a sudden my wife was dying of cancer so when I I wanted to, the next step in my career I didn't know where I was going so I didn't know if I'd make carve out a career in, in television and so the main concern was me was managing life make sure I, had a, I have an income a good income and make life as 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 easy as as it was for the kids, and, and that was really my priority then. Yeah, and because the because how because how old were they all when Karen? I think it's seven, also... seven, three, and one. Yeah, so like how like I obviously G was only one, so she probably didn't understand. Yeah. But did like Grace understand? Was did she not really? really no, not really. Just got talk with you, and you know your mum's gone to this. Sky is a star, yeah. and the mum's up there. You know, but it is what it is, isn't it? You know, you just got to try and manage it and uh, and do as well as you possibly as possibly can. Yeah, I know. I've mentioned Rian, but when I was caught sort of speaking to her, but she lost her yeah. child and her husband. Yeah, really that's, close that's horrific. You know, that's that's horrific. Yeah, absolutely horrific. You know. Yeah, and she, because what I found so fascinating is you talk about these sort of really traumatic events and she'd be speaking in such like a matter of fact way. And when I kind of asked her about it, she said, yeah, well, it almost kind of becomes a bit of a script. So like in a way she, she speaks about it so often, she almost feels disconnected yeah, to sort yeah. of the words that she's speaking. So, but that's it. So that is, you know, something you do disconnect because it is, you just, you manage you kind of, you, you have to, you have to manage it. That's the thing. And then you think, right. Okay. And you know, sometimes, so difficult you know you just gotta matter-of-factly talk about it and yeah you still get emotional sometimes but you've just gotta 
manage it and get on with it and make make as best as you can yeah I actually want to kind of touch as well on your work with Valindra can you sort of tell us a bit more about Valindra the charity and how and why you got involved as well because it's incredible like how much you've done with it and how much money money you've raised and the profile that you've given it over the years having experienced it with my mum being away for three months and then um, in Addenbrooks and Addenbrooks was an amazing hospital but you know so far away whereas then with Valindra yeah still very harrowing and tough but I could have kind of normality on life yeah because that's where Karen was being treated yeah that's it? Karen yeah. went so I could then go to drop go and drop the kids off school go and see her and come back pick the kids up maybe she'd come home and it was a lot because he was right on the doorstep having spent time then and you know sitting down there with, with all the other cancer patients and their kind of husbands and mothers and fathers and brothers and sisters, you get a feel of kind of how how tough it is for, for a lot of different people. A lot of people didn't have support and help. Um, and then a lot of people like felt really, really alone because the priority then is, you know, is on the, is on the, uh, the patient. Then the other family, you know, when they lose it, it's like so, so difficult. And, the support that Valindra gave to the patient and also to the, you know, the, the family, the, the families was incredible. And I felt that they asked me to be a patron because I'd experienced it. And I just felt then that, yeah, you know, it would be the right thing for me to do to use my kind of, I hate the word celebrity, is to, you know, raise awareness and develop the, you know, the, the brand of Valindra with all the fundraising team. And it seemed to be it seemed to be a fit so all of a sudden then we just went about creating a culture that people want to be part of uh, and then raising the awareness or people who had been touched by cancer then would ha- where would they give the money like Belinda as a cancer hospital and then that's that's how it started I got involved and it's just grown from there and all of a sudden we have an amazing array of ambassadors um, patrons fundraisers um, but ultimately it's it's a quality of the people in Valindra that um, you know that, that that touches people's hearts um, because they are so nice uh, and people are donating hundreds of thousands and all of a sudden you know it builds and builds and now we got I think it's thirty five million over thirty five million in, which is a it's an incredible amount of money for a for an amazing charity which I'm which I'm proud to be a part of yeah. Um... Reckon next year, me and you, we can run the London Marathon together for a I'm Johnson. not running any, any <laughs> marathons. I'm not walking anywhere. Bike, I'll, do the, I'll do the bikes, but that's about it. You draw the line at anything on your two I know, feet. I know, I know. <laughs> Jay, I think Jay's going to do the next, right? She's, she's, been, on, oops, she's been on the bike today. Is she? And, uh, she I've, got, I've got to go and join her in the hot tub now. So that's, uh, <laughs> that's where we go into the, the ease our muscles. Oh God, the uh, the infamous hot tub. <laughs> Finally, we're uh, almost finishing, but I always end on the topic of kind of nostalgia relating to food and music, as I feel they often provoke a memory, whether it be good or bad. So, is there a particular song that transports you back to a specific time or place every time you hear it? I, I think I remember when my dad was ill. Mm. I always listen to telephone line ELO. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. So that one is well, that one was one, and then a song always. Remember my dad like dance away rocks and music was another one that transcends me back. I love that song. Uh, it reminds me of mum and dad. Um, and I think also when I was playing for Wales and I loved it, the song that I always had on my headphones was the uh, the real thing U two. Um, so I. I was it that one? I, yeah, I think it was. I'm trying to think of what it was. Um, so that would, those would transcend me back. Um, and on food, it's funny. I had, I had Jay's mum made me cowl last night. Oh, such so, so you know, well. Which is a lot. <laughs> it is well. I remember, you know, my mum, we, we were at, we should have, we have cowl. Um, and I just, you know, or before a game or something like that so yes yeah, it's, it's weird like those are the kind of things that like draw you back and everything but I think I'll hear something and it'll it'll remind me of something else you know so I, I saw music is brilliant I love music and you know it does attach attach you to 
a time and a place somewhere in the past, you know. And um, but those are the ones, the one, the song that they played before going on and playing for Wales and on the bus, and then remind you know reminding me of my mum and dad, and then my dad is always listening to the telephone line, me alone, and all that. So yeah, it, it's odd. It's odd how things like that happen. But yeah, Carl, and then Carl is the is the one that brings me back to my. My council house, one five, and yeah, garden suburbs from Sarah, you know. Yeah, and whenever I ask that question, it's always people's answers always like back to when they were younger and like meals yeah. at their, like yeah. mums with yeah. Kurt. Yeah, um, yeah, which is really nice because I always feel like that with like a Sunday roast, like it always just. Oh yeah, oh, I love a Sunday like, roast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sunday roast would be my last meal. I think. Oh, same, hundred percent, and it would yeah. be like a home, my mum's home cooked yeah. one as well. Love it, absolutely yeah. love it. It's so good. That is all, but before I say goodbye, I've got one last thing. So we know who your favourite son is. Go on, Jonathan, who's your favourite daughter? <laughs> Can't say. <laughs> you shouldn't have a favourite. You shouldn't have a they all, they all think they are. They all think they are. So, so when I, the, my favourite daughter is the one when I'm having food, or the, I'm, the one that's not there, maybe. <laughs> no, I, I don't know. It's all, it's all the same. You know, yeah. it's all, you know, and I got to, I got to, I got, a, I got a stepdaughter as well now with Daya. So I got like four daughters and I'm going through the same crap. Never ending. So Molly's in college, of course, so she's nearly out the other end. Mm. Daya's then, she got, she's 15. So, but you know, the end's in sight. There's always, there's, there's always bank dad, isn't there? Yeah. Yeah, so, soon you'll be able to go off and do your five star backpacking. No, yeah, I got, I, I know they, they, they're great. You know, I, I love the kids are good. They've all got different personalities, um, but you know, it's. I think it's different now because you know social media and the phone and everything. Um, you know, they don't ring me. I ring him usually most of the time. I think that's um, the same with most yeah, most I know, kids and I, most I, parents. I think, I, think it's, I think I'm very. You know, they're all different characters, but as long as. My main priority is that they're happy. Mm. If they're happy and healthy, you know that's 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 the important thing. That is the important thing, and, and every one of them, you know, I'm proud of every one of them to be honest. So, and like I said, they, you know, their mum would have been proud of them as well, and that's the important thing. So, you know, they 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 would say, "Oh, what if you know, mum, or what if that?" And I know the the girls maybe more than Scott. I know Scott, but you know, you can't think like that. There is no what ifs, what ifs. It is like. Unfortunately, it happened. Hopefully, I've done a good job, and you know they've they've got to live their lives with with no regrets because it's it's none of their fault. Yeah, what I happened. mean, I I say it to G all the time. Like her mum would be so proud of like the woman yeah. that she's become because yeah. she really is just yeah. Well, I mean, I you know, and, and, yeah, friend, and it's but... like and it's Grace. You know, Grace is maybe more like the Davises, and then. Scott and Gina more like the you know the Hopkinses. The, oh, the feisty bunch. Yeah, I know. But all, we're all feisty and aggressive, so you know. But it is, it's good. They've all got different characters, and I love them. I love them all the bits. Yeah. Oh, thank you. Right, I will leave you to it, and you can get you can get in the hot tub. Jeff Hotter, okay, before she comes out. There yeah, we are. No, Making most no. of it. No, I'm not. I'm not taking my. She's not taking my top off. Like you did. Like you did. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, you know, top scare the life here. of the next one, Ava. Scare the life of the next one, Ava. <laughs> Honestly, that weekend. We're going to have Madness. to do it again soon. So Madness. much fun. Madness. Oh. All right, Kate. Thanks Cheers, for Jonathan. having me. Yeah, no, thank you so much. Pleasure. Take See care of you. Bye. Ta-da, ta-da.